Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Ternaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. As our longtime podcasters know, our expectations of economic and financial market conditions pretty much continue on target with six months plus advance warning. More specifically, and well in advance, are prior podcasts, which are still available for you to check out and verify, provide the future expectations as well as the reasoning for these expectations. We'll recap some of the higher level, most important expectations now, and we will move on and we will talk about what we think is ahead of us in the bond and stock markets for the rest of the year. First of all, the Federal Reserve, by erroneously pumping up the 2021 economy with much money creation, was at a time when real inflation began to surge all on its own. So the Fed actually provided the foundation for an even faster increase in inflation. Over the past two years, with our education focus in mind, we covered in some detail why real inflation was and still is approximately twice that officially reported by the Consumer Price Index. Secondly, We have explained that the U.S. economy has been artificially reported as strong and growing for the past decade. The truth is that business investment, which is the job creator, has been and continues historically weak. Inflation for years has created the image of a growing gross national product, and now with inflation surging higher, this fact is finally becoming obvious even to the political leaders who have long time been in denial, at least in denial long enough to try to win the next election. But time's up. Truth prevails, although late in emerging. Number three, we have warned of spiking interest rates and the damage they would do to long-term bond portfolios for the past year or so. As you know, this has now happened and it is continuing. Long-term bonds have already dropped 20% or more in price and many investors now see this in their monthly brokerage statements. Number four, many will remember when we focused on the FANG stocks the Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google stocks that grew to account for 25% of the entire Standard & Poor's 500 index in terms of value. And these stocks were the main reason for the higher and higher stock market levels last year. We suggested many investors who own these and other stocks should lighten up and take their profits. These same high-flying stocks last year are the leading losing stocks this year. Overall, for those who sold and realized stock market profits last year, you avoided a 20 to 30% loss on many of your stock investments, to say nothing of avoiding 20% or more of losses in your bond investments. Number five, last year virtually no one was expecting a recession. And we didn't see a probability of avoiding a recession. We could not have been at a different place than the mainstream media and the politicians. Now, with two quarters of negative growth, we are in a recession, despite that politicians continue to posture otherwise. Once again, truth is prevailing, even though it may be defeated day-to-day in Washington, D.C., or at least until our midterm elections in November. Only a month or so to go, then everyone has to face a recession reality. By that time, the recession will be noticeable. It'll be worse as the job picture 
is getting more negative by the week. Number six, by the way, stocks and bonds reached their highest levels well before the Russia-Ukraine war. But this war and our subsequent policies are creating new expectations of continuing inflation issues. Energy, thanks to temporary sales from our strategic oil reserve, European oil and natural gas inventories that were high before the war, and seasonal factors have kept prices from continuing their march upward. Assuming the war continues, which seems a pretty safe bet at this point, sorry to say, European natural gas and oil inventories will largely deplete during the winter months. And oil sales from our reserve, I expect to be halted as we have no justifiable way to explain why we're depleting our strategic oil reserves. And these factors will stimulate energy prices to again begin a strong upward movement in 2023 and likely before then. Inflation will remain a serious issue and there's not a lot our Federal Reserve can do about it except generate a major recession or worse yet a depression. Given our country's issues, we are much stronger than most of the rest of the world. This is not necessarily great news as the world is heading into a severe recession. In an update to their World Economic Outlook, the International Monetary Fund recently concluded that economic prospects had darkened significantly in recent months as the war in the Ukraine and inflation, as well as a difficult-to-control pandemic in many countries, continues to inflict pain across every continent. The world economy faces one of its weakest years since 1970, again according to the IMF, including a present period of intense stagflation worldwide. Quote, the world may soon be teetering on the edge of a global recession only two years after the last recession. Put simply, the outlook for the global economy is increasingly gloomy. The IMF is downgrading its economic forecasts and expects economic growth to slow even further next year as central banks around the world raise interest rates in an effort to tame inflation by cooling their economies. Moving on with additional factors, inflation is also rising more rapidly and broadly than the International Monetary Fund anticipated even earlier this year. It now expects prices to rise 6.6% in rich countries and 9.5% in emerging markets and developing economies. The IMF's international group also warned of another problem that could emerge as the Fed raises interest rates. Higher rates are expected to further strengthen the U.S. dollar as investors plow into treasury bonds that offer higher returns. They conclude by saying that inflation in emerging markets could be actually amplified as the appreciation of the dollar makes their imports much more expensive. One listener offered thanks for helping preserve her bond and stock retirement investments before these markets witnessed their substantial declines already this year, but asked, quote, What should I have learned to help me understand future market trends, downtrends or uptrends? Unquote. Here's my answer. First of all, try to figure out where we are in terms of the long-term trends. Are we closer to the high points or closer to the low points of the trend? Think in terms of cycles. Cycles move around the trend. And this is not as hard as it may sound. 
Take a recent example. For those who have been a homeowner or a potential homeowner, we can all agree that housing prices before the Great Recession of 2008-2009 were at the high end of the housing cycle. For many years, U.S. metropolitan area housing prices had a 20 or even 30 or even a 40-year trend of going up 3 to 4 percent a year. In 2004, 05, and 06, housing prices were increasing in many areas 10 to 15 percent a year. For these years, the media trumpeted the price escalations, so there was certainly no secret we were on the high part of a cycle. After the subprime lending meltdown, housing in some of these same high-flying areas dropped 20 to 30 percent or more in a few years. Again, no secret. We moved to the low end of the price cycle. Today, once again, there's no secret we're at the top end of the housing cycle. The same is true for interest rates, and the same is true for inflation. Number two, a big lesson in my opinion, is the relationship between price increases and interest rates. This is a big topic, so I'll just mention a few bite-sized pieces. Interest rates have been so low for so long that many forget what happens when interest rates move up from the low part of the interest rate cycle to the higher levels. For example, mortgage rates have almost doubled in the past year or so. On a 30-year mortgage, that means monthly payments for the same house price have almost doubled. This one fact is enough to tip the scale from the top of the housing cycle in a move toward the bottom. This fact impacts everyone, including renters and including the very wealthy. We all know first-time home buyers have more difficulty qualifying for a mortgage now, but we also know there's a big ripple effect as the high-end home buyers who begin to smell blood in the water with home prices will begin to step aside. The trade-up moves of homeowners slow down as price uncertainties move into the market, and these price uncertainties are now coupled with higher monthly mortgage payments with the higher interest rates. Over time, we move from the high part of the cycle to the low part. We're seeing that now. We just started this move within the past year or so. We have a ways to go because trends build on themselves in both directions. Housing through all segments can be in a downtrend for the next several years and even more than that. As housing prices become under pressure, new home developers and contractors pull back. Who wants to buy land? Who wants to make commitments in a marketplace where prices are going down? So they pull back their commitments. These pullbacks in turn lessen future supply and have the effect of raising rents for those needing a home. This is all of what we're seeing now. Moving on to inflation. Inflation is a special issue in that government-reported data understates the CPI and thereby understates overall price inflation. We've covered this in a number of podcasts. We've explained why the real inflation rate runs at about twice the rate that is reported by the Consumer Price Index. For many years, the Consumer Price Index was dutifully but inaccurately reported close to 2% a year. This is really close to 4% or more for those years in terms of the real inflation rates. Now the CPI is reported over 8%, which is likely closer to 12 to 16% a year in reality. This is a really big problem. Unfortunately, the past under-reporting 
presents a continuing future problem. For example, housing-related expenses are a major part of the CPI index, and this part of the index has been manipulated lower by politicians and political followers in our government agencies for many years. Long story short, the record high home prices are just making it into the CPI index through what they now have is a quasi-rent calculation, which took the place of the actual home prices that were in place during the Clinton administration. What am I saying? As housing prices decline now over the next number of months and next year, the housing part of the CPI will actually keep going up or maintain itself strongly as it plays catch up. It is not reporting the real-time changes that we see in the marketplace as many think it does. Our economy has many supply chain issues with interest rate increases actually making them worse. Higher interest rates imply lower business investments and lower ROIs during an economic decline, and that has the impact of creating fewer new jobs. Economic decline parts of the cycle, like the one we're in, are particularly vicious and self-reinforcing. As interest rates go up, less capital investment is made, and supply shortages continue or they get worse. Supply shortages mean more inflation. Consumers want their food, their toilet paper, their diapers, their pharmaceuticals, their cars, their kitchen equipment, and so on, and will effectively bid up the prices as shortages occur. We've been seeing this. We've seen this for the past year and longer, and we continue to see this behavior. Higher interest rates will put more people out of work and cut back overall demand. This creates a social disruption cycle, which we can now begin to recognize. Those who say market prices are determined by mass psychology are, for the most part, right on target. When we saw an economic expansion with reported low unemployment and record low borrowing rates, many were motivated to buy a house, to buy a bigger house, a new car, and importantly, to take on more and more debt. Let's cut to the chase. The world is now in a recession, and there's little evidence the big issues will be resolved anytime soon. The Russia-Ukraine war is threatening food and energy shortages. China-U.S. trade relationships continue to sour, and China is facing their own real estate meltdown, which will make them much more desperate and hard to deal with. High and higher U.S. interest rates will continue and worsen, given the U.S. government's continuing need to refinance record debt levels. And this is at a time when the four Foreign wealth funds are cutting back on U.S. bond purchases. Social Security Administration is having to sell bonds to pay benefits. And that U.S. banks are actually cutting back on their purchases of U.S. Treasury bonds. All of this is coming to a head. Hasn't come to a head yet, but it's on the way. High interest rates will vacuum up investment monies into the United States and into bonds. Whether or not enough foreign money is coming into the United States to pay for these bonds is doubtful. It is more likely, in my view, that money will move out of the stock market and into the bond market by major institutions as they can lock in higher rates of return with a general understanding that the stock market may be in a severe downtrend, which means more risk. High stock market valuations are still way high. We've seen a sell-off, but this is really nothing compared to sell-offs we've experienced in past stock market meltdowns that are parts of recessions. How high can mortgage rates go in this cycle? I don't think we're near the high. On the other hand, I don't think that they will necessarily be at the highs they were in 1980-81. Back then, mortgage rates were as high as 15%. 
How low can the stock market go in this down cycle? In my view, another 20% decline would be entirely consistent with past major drops. Be careful as any major trend has short-term trend reversals. Don't be so quick to believe a quick up move in the stock market means good times are coming back again. Trends take years to play out. We're just the beginning of major trend changes. The fact that Europe is moving toward a major recession and that China is facing serious internal challenges is not a good backdrop for returning to our pre-COVID optimism. Again, be careful, lower your personal financial risks as much as possible, and respect that cash is good to accumulate at higher and higher levels in this kind of challenging environment. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornadin. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money. 